This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome, everybody. Good morning to you on this wonderful Saturday. We are getting that much closer to baseball getting started. Six days away from when the Astros take on the Mariners. And you'll hear that along with the other 59 games this season. Only on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game, which is the home of the most listened to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. Under the Dome with CD. And I am glad to be back with you again after a little bit of a week off. I'll talk about why. I took the week off at the end of the hour. It's definitely important to kind of know about that. A little bit, a little bit of transparency, if you will, we can go a long, long way. But hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning and you're getting ready to kind of enjoy yourself on this pretty decent weekend. Hopefully you don't have a whole lot of rain to kind of deal with like we have had over the last couple of days. But we are coming to you live, as always, from the 1037 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And we appreciate you listening in, however you are, be it through that FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. The free 1037 Game mobile app, smart speakers, transistor radio, however you're doing, so appreciate you listening in, wherever you're listening from. The game hotline, it is always open, 337-706-0111. I've got a triad of guests and they are pretty darn good, to say the least. Hopefully, you're getting ready to enjoy that. And my phone wound up going off with a random email that I ran with, that I thought we were off air, but we weren't, so we're good. We're live, pal. But, of course, if you're listening to the show, you know I'm on Acadia and his number one sports station. That, don't, that can only mean one thing. That i got to be the best of them all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at... Woo, the greatest, the best-looking man, the best-dressed man, long limousines, jet airplanes, custom-made clothes, and any woman in the world I want, just like that. Appreciate y'all listening in on this pretty decent Saturday morning. But, of course, we start off every Saturday morning, be it from 10 a.m. to noon or in a couple weeks, 11 a.m. to 1, yes, we're making that announcement right here, right now. Starting August 1st, this show is getting moved over an hour. We're going to move over to 11 to 1 to make room for Unprompted with Louis Prejean. He'll be coming in. I'll be able to get some sleep in the morning. Sleep, a little extra sleep on a Saturday morning. I am more than okay with that after years of being the 10 a.m. to noon guy, the lone wolf when it comes to sports talk in Acadiana on the weekend. I don't mind sharing. That space, 11 a.m. to 1, under the dome, will move over to starting, once again, August 1st. 
Now, when it comes to football, baseball, everything in between, in terms of like scheduling, we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But of course, I brought up football. I think everybody's been talking over the last week about one thing in particular, and that's what Coach Ed Ogeron said earlier this week concerning college football and how important it is for America. I agree it's important, but not quite agree when it comes to important for America. I'll talk about that right now with our Saturday Sports Sermon. The biggest reason why I, I, I like Ed Ogeron. I love him. He absolutely crushes in a lot of different things. Earlier this week, he was talking with Mike Pence and talking with the vice president and John Bell, and he mentioned the fact that it's important for America to have football back in our lives. I agree. It is so important to have football back in our lives, especially college football. Now, why do I, I don't necessarily agree with the statement for America, but I can say it's so important for the future of college sports, period. I think right here, right now, we are on the precipice of something that we don't ever think we never thought we could see. And that is the potential end of college sports. Yes, you heard me right. It could be the potential end of the line for college athletics. If you don't have a season in 2020, think about it. A lot of programs, especially group of five programs, they operate at a loss. A lot of programs operate at a loss at the power five level as well. LSU is one of the handful that can be sustainable just on football alone. If you don't have college football this fall, you will not see college sports in its current shape or form ever again. And that is the absolute worst thing I I could think of right now because I want to see college baseball again. I want to see Paul Maneri lead the Tigers. I want to see Matt Daggs lead the Cajuns to a run in the College World Series. I want to see all that. I don't want to talk about what might have been. I don't want to talk about the hypotheticals in this world of sports because that's not what my job is. I love talking about what happened the night before, and I miss that. It's been well over four months since the last time I came to you and talked about actual sports. Hell, I'd say almost five months because like, whatever this whole thing started really happening, that's when things started to get canceled more and more because I actually had a vacation day. I was actually taking a couple days off. So I, like on the 14th of March, after everything was largely canceled, everything was shut down and we were kind of in that literal darkness of no sports going on, it was weird. And I want to come back to talking about actual sports, not the hypotheticals, not, you know, if we don't have football in the fall, we're going to be spitting in the wind till God knows when. Hopefully, when the month of spring comes up, we can, hopefully when the month of September gets here, we are talking about LSU playing whoever. LSU Texas Week 2. Hopefully, we can start that conversation. I mentioned a few weeks ago in my last take, wear a mask. Just do it. I know it may not be the cool thing to do, But you know what is cool? College football. 
What else is cool? College baseball, college basketball, college softball. If I don't see those sports ever again, I would be one disappointed son of a gun because I love all these sports. And I want to see them at the collegiate level. Because I think, honestly, that's what this whole town is about, Lafayette, Louisiana, the heart of Cajun country. Everybody loves what's going on with the world of college sports. And I'm sure you do as well. And if you want it, you got to do the right things. you got to take the right precautions and the right steps. And you do that, we're going to have a lot of success, and we're going to get to college football this fall. It's a long road, but we got time. It's July 18th. This week was supposed to be SEC media days. I could have been out in Atlanta and coming back to do this show. I could have been coming back and getting ready to have one hell of a time talking about who I think is going to be atop the SEC. I'd have Steve Lassen on. We actually would be talking about media days and how enjoyable Mike Leach was, how great the Pirate was on the mic at the pulpit. I could be talking about having a conversation with Miles Brennan. I could be talking about a lot of great stories. But instead, we're talking about what might have been. We're talking about what could be. I'm tired of what might have been, hypotheticals and everything in between. I'm ready for sports to be back. And this time next week, we'll be getting ready for baseball. In two weeks' time, on August 1st, my show will be right in the middle of day two of the restart of the NBA season. I am all the way for that. But I'm still holding out hope. And I'm definitely the most positive person on the planet. I'm cautiously optimistic that we do have football in the fall, but we got to take the right steps. We got to take one step, one foot in front of the other, and we get to college football this fall. That's where I'm at. Hopefully, you're in the same boat as me, and you're more than ready for college football this fall. And the conversation can go from who is on top of the world in college football versus, you know, where the where those cases are across this great country of ours. And it's definitely not been looking good as of late. But I have a feeling we're going to see through this. Earlier this week, we got some great news. The fact there is a vaccine that's in the works to, to basically help combat COVID-19. To help the immune system get a big, big boost. To help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And hopefully, when we get that vaccine, we're able to really start taking strides to getting back to some form of normalcy. I think that's where we're at. But hopefully, we can have the world of sports return. As planned. Right here, right now, it feels unlikely. Everybody's starting to cancel their sports, postpone them, push them back to the spring. Who knows? Maybe the group of five at FCS will move over to the spring to do to basically prove that spring football can coexist. But that's a different question for a different day. Appreciate you listening in however you are. Again, we got a lot of different ways to listen in, and we've got a great show for you today. We have got a tremendous guest list. We got a trio of guests. I mentioned the triad, and we got three really solid guests coming on the program today. We've got Steve Lass, and he'll be joining the program at 1030 Athlon Sports. 
I got my college football magazines in. I got my NFL magazines in. And I got to say, I love it. But we're going to have a lot more of a conversation about college football this fall, What he, how he thinks the season could be going, because we're getting closer to it happening. I'm still in the firm belief that it's going to happen. And then we're going to have on Ian Castleberry. We had him on a while back talking about the Mexican standoff, the never-ending story between Rob Manfred, the MLB owners, and the MLBPA just doing nothing and finally getting a 60-game season. He'll be joining the program at 11.30. And then we're going to have on in the next segment. I am absolutely looking forward to having this conversation with a recent Cajuns commit. C.J. Caesar out of Iowa. We're going to have him on the program in just a few minutes. Going to have him on to talk about why he committed to the culture and a whole lot more. And I'm really looking forward to that interview for a lot of different reasons. This is one that I was planning on doing last week, but, you know, some things happened. We'll talk about that at the end of the hour. Also, I've gotten some cool stuff coming your way as well in hour number two. I'm going to do my SEC media media days, kind of, and give my vote on how the order goes in the SEC. The Conference of Dixie, where it just means more. I'll give you my rankings, SEC West and SEC East, later on in the program. So make sure you keep it locked right here. On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. We will be back after this. You're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome returns after this. From the preps to the pros and everywhere in between. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana's Sports Station. 103.7, the game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7, the game at 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live from the 103.7 Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. And we're going to make a trip over to the Game Hotline about an hour west over in Iowa, Louisiana. We're making a stop over there. Have a conversation with one of the latest Cajuns commits. One of three that have committed so far in the month of July. This was actually the first one that kind of popped off this whole thing. Because they've been busy over the last week. In case you haven't seen, the Cajuns secured... In the last couple days, in Kendrell Williams out of Karakoro, and then they secured a Hemp Hill, Texas native, Draylon Washington, two running backs over the course of two days on Wednesday and Thursday. But it all started, if you will, in the month of July with one man in particular, and he is our guest on the game hotline. He is a listed as a safety per 24-7 sports out of Iowa, Louisiana. We're talking about C.J. Caesar. C.J., how's it going, man? No, it's going good. I'm glad it's going good for you, man. And let's start things off with, you know, your commitment to the culture that the Louisiana Raging Cages bring to the table. What was the big, like, moment where you had that light bulb moment, if you will, and you said, hey, I'm going to go over to the Cajuns and join the culture? Um, when I first had a conversation about it, on offers, and it's like, UL was just a perfect fit because of the position that uh, we'll be playing. 
And, you know, CJ, I think one of the other things that I think we all need to know is, like, were you able to have an official visit before the pandemic kind of shut things down? No, sir. I mean, and, you know, this is something that I think I've asked a lot of commits to a lot of different programs over the years, and especially now in this during this pandemic, is how did that whole experience go for you with this recruiting process during this pandemic where you weren't able to have an OV and, you know, you were probably having a conversation doing, like, a virtual, like, OV, but it's not nearly the same. Like, what was that o- that virtual OV like? Um, it was, you know, it was a new experience uh, just being on Zoom, watching all their uh, about the dorms and facilities and stuff. So it was a new experience, but I was fortunate enough to uh, go over my sophomore year in an unofficial visit and still see the campus. What did you think about the campus when you did your own official in my your sophomore year? You know, it was nice. You know, you know uh, a couple months before then, I had a camp, so I was over there practicing with the team and there. So when I went back to watch uh, to go in the facilities and stuff, it was just, it just felt like home. You know. Did you have a chance to check out the swamp? Oh uh, yes, sir. How much of a selling point was that the swamp at a at a UL? Because I think that's just one of the most unique things, like. Not just that you all has the, over the entire country. They have a literal swamp. Yes. Like, when I went there to... Uh, hey, CJ, you still there? All right, looks like we're having some issues getting CJ on the program. So hopefully we're going gonna to go ahead and get in touch with him off air. We're going to try and get him back on. To try and get him back on the show because I was want to kind of ask him a lot more questions, and it's it's disappointing. I was trying to, I was so looking forward to this. Had a little, looks like we had a little little phone issues, if you will. I'm gonna try and get him back on the program, and this is kind of the real beauty of how like the show goes. Sometimes like things are going to, you know. And, you know, he was trying to call me. I'm like, no, call this number. And so hopefully we can get him back. This is, again, I've mentioned this before. I am literally the person that runs the board, gets the guests, calls them up, and do, does all these things. So I'm definitely, like, trying to figure out, okay, we're going to try. Hopefully we can get him back on. CJ, you back with us, man? Yes, sir. Yeah, you kind of cut out a little bit there. What, like, so I was asking, like, what was that like seeing the swamp like? It's probably one of the most unique things in the country. Yes, sir. It was crazy. You know, there's a little swamp in the middle of the campus. And whenever, like, you know, looking at, at your high school career so far at Iowa, and I think obviously there's a lot of hype surrounding you, and there, it felt like you know you wound up having a lot of great offers from across, like. The like Texas, you had Lamar, Texas State, you had a lot of notable guys, a lot of notable programs, especially in the Group of Five world that you had a chance to commit to. And you know what made the Cajuns like? What made you choose the Cajuns over all those? It's just the coach. You know, they made me feel like uh, it was a home there. They recruited me very hard, so you know, I just felt like the Cajuns was the best way to go. We talk right now with CJ Caesar out of Iowa, Louisiana, and you know, looking at your high school career so far, heading into your senior season. What are expectations for you and Iowa this year? Well, 
you know, this past four years, you know, uh, my freshman year was number one in state in 3A. So, and these past years, we haven't been doing so hard. So, only thing now is just to get to state. That's my, my only thing. That's my championship. And, you know, I want to, like, finding this out se- through secondhand, and I didn't, I should have realized this, that your dad used to play for LSU back in the day. Clarence Caesar played for LSU back in the early 90s. Playing with Shaq, has he ever told you any stories about playing with the big Aristotle? No, oh, yes, sir. You know, they was roommates, so that's all I hear about. Oh, wow. I'm about to say, those are probably some really cool stories. Like, being, like, it's, it's one thing to be playing with Shaq, but being roommates with with that kind of guy, that's got to be some entertaining stories. Of course. <laughs> Again, CJ, appreciate you joining the program. I mean, I'm sure you'll be doing some great things at UL down the road. What position are you going to be playing whenever you go to UL? Um, safety, but it's really like a hybrid. I can just do anything uh, they want me to do on the field. So basically, I mean, you know, I was – I. Seeing you were listed as an athlete in some aspects, obviously I mentioned you were listed as a safety on twenty four seven sports. I was just wanting to kind of make sure which position you were going to be at. You know, yes, sir. It's kind of like Isaiah Simmons, something like that. I like that a lot, man. You know, again, thank you again for coming on the program. We'll talk to you down the road once we get closer. Hopefully, to you kind of becoming a member of the Vermilion White, man. Yes, sir. Once again, appreciate. C.J. Caesar for joining the program. Definitely wish I was able to kind of have a little bit more of a conversation with him, but, you know, sometimes things don't necessarily work out the way you want it to. But it was definitely a fun conversation, nonetheless, talking about Clarence Caesar, former LSU Tiger. Back in the Shag days, I did not realize they were roommates, and I absolutely love that. But I'm looking forward to seeing what this Cajuns class can do all by itself. Because this is a Cajuns program that has started to build a lot of that momentum that we always talk about when it comes to being able to have a sustainable and consistent program. The Cajuns have become one of the more consistent programs of the last couple seasons. You know, We've seen guys like Billy Napier bring this thing to the table. The Cajuns were great in the early years of Mark Hudspeth, and there's a lot of stuff going on with Mark Hudspeth I'm not going to talk about at this point in time. But I can say right here, right now, that the Cajuns are in good hands with Billy Napier and this recruiting crew that he has in place. I mean, Jabarja Luke is probably going to be crushing on the recruiting trail. Could, should be recruiting on like a Power 5 level. But he's with the Cajuns right now. He is killing it. He is absolutely crushing it. I think that's the case in point. When you see them nail two really solid commits and really, I'd say, under the radar. Because you'll have... Kendrell Williams, I say under under the radar, but we all know how good that cat is. He had 2,000 yards almost last season for the Golden Bears. Probably one of the big keys for that success last season. And then we see what happened with, you know, I'd say the other day with Hemphill, Texas native Draylon Washington, all the stuff that's going on with him. And there's a lot of hype surrounding both those guys. And add the fact that right here, right now, there's so much hype surrounding the Cajuns. You had the Doak Walker Award. Two Cajuns, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regas, both made the list. The second straight year they had two of them make the list. Really awesome stuff. You even had Levi Lewis get preseason love for the Davey O'Brien Award. That's saying something. There's a lot of hype surrounding this team, and justifiably so. And if a season goes off without a hitch where we see a 12-game season, I'd probably say 11-1 and is where they're at. 
And then maybe Billy Napier goes on to a bigger Power 5 job. I think I would love to see him have a lot of success down the road, but, you know, it's all about what happens this season and if we have a season and a lot of other things as well. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Be back with a whole lot more right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Steve Lassen joins us next. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game, 103.7 The Game.com. And now we go over to the Arco, the, the Game Hotline, excuse me, the 103.7 The Game Hotline right now. We're going to continue a little bit of double guest style with our next guest. He's on the Game Hotline. As always, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, joins the program. Talk a little college football. Steve, what's going on, brother? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. Admittedly, I wish we were talking under normal circumstances, which would be the SEC media days ending uh, this year, especially with Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. So uh, unusual off season, and, and still trying to be optimistic about getting 2020 in. Steve, why are you reminding me about the fact that I missed out on SEC media days? Like, I, I was already kind of feeling bad enough over like the last week about the fact that I wasn't able to go at it, go to Atlanta this year. I was hoping to go to this, and you just basically kind of just dump right out of the gate with this. <laughs> yeah, not the best way to start a Saturday interview, right? Just start it, on it, the it, worst possible note. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. We'll, we'll, we'll still keep you on for this segment. But, Steve, I think obviously we need to kind of start off with what's going on. with what, The way things stand right here right now, obviously the Big Ten, the Pac-12, have both already said they're just going to go conference only. A lot of other programs have announced they're going to postpone their fall season in the FCS level. The Ivy League was the first one to kind of start all that. You got a lot of FCS programs kind of shutting down. The MEAC said they were going to postpone it. The Patriot League, the CAA over the FCS. I believe the SWAC has said they're going to cancel it, but there's no confirmation of that. But it's just it's looking weird right now. It really is. You know, I think from the basically since the end of June, early July, you know, I really had kind of this bad feeling and just kind of the optimism that was there earlier this spring has gone to concern. And, you know, the time factor that we kind of hinted at all off season is really gone. I mean, we have just a couple weeks to kind of change the trajectory uh, of the season and get a season in for college football, you know, I think we can kind of look at these decisions and kind of see that, you know, FCS, because they're not as involved in big-time TV deals, there's not as much money involved, it's a little bit easier to move those to the spring. Power 5, FBS football, uh, there's a little bit more of a pressing need for that TV money uh, and certainly trying to navigate that in between health and safety. So it, there's a lot of variables in play right now, but you're seeing a lot of changes, and I think we're going to see these next three or four weeks 
be really critical to the season, and I think that's when we'll start to see what the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 uh, decides to do. But certainly it is a very different schedule than the one we anticipated uh, earlier this offseason. It really is, Steve. And, you know, I was talking to you during the break. It's like the fact that I got my Athlon Sports in a couple days ago, and I was absolutely looking forward to diving into it. And then I kind of thought for a, for a moment, because I think we'll still get – Football, maybe not in the in the form we would thought we were going to have it in like March or April, but we're going to see it. And I just felt like for a moment, it's like, could this very well be like a collector's item in the next like five to ten years? Athlon Sports twenty twenty season that might not happen. Yeah, I mean, really, the lost college football season of twenty twenty. I hope that that's not the case, but I mean, you know, it really is a possibility. And listening to Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, you know, he made it very clear that they may not play football this fall. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, has talked you know pretty adamantly the last couple weeks that he needs to see some changes in the overall kind of landscape of things. So. You know, if if there's, you know, you don't believe that there's there's a reason or or that there's a chance that college football season could get postponed. Uh, those two guys who are really close to the situation, who are adamant that they need to see improvement across the board. So, I hope it's not a collector's edition. I hope we get to see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Micah Parsons and and you know Dylan Moses all play this year. Um, it's certainly going to look a lot different, and I hope that we have a season that we do not have the lost college football ball season of 2020 because it, man you know, you look at some of the non-conference games that are already canceled Oregon Ohio State uh, Alabama USC uh, Notre Dame USC we're going to be missing some good ones this year you just kind of let a horse to water here when you just brought up one of those teams Notre Dame they're independent conference how do you have conference games when you're an independent I think that lends a lot of questions I was seeing something earlier potentially Notre Dame Alabama is being discussed for the 2020 season. So I want to get your opinion. How do you have a independent team like Notre Dame, like choose, do they have, do they choose a conference? What goes on with them? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think the biggest thing that Notre Dame has going forward is first of all, brand identity. They're a national brand. They treasure their independence. The ACC is really their lifeline here. You know, they play, you know, four, five, six conference, you know, essentially conference games against the ACC since they came into the agreement with the ACC when we had all that realignment. So they're kind of a quasi-member of the ACC, a full-time member in basketball and other sports, independent football, of course, but they play those games with the ACC. That's what's going to save Notre Dame here. They're going to have the games against the ACC. I think you will still see some attempted schedule agreement between the SEC, Big 12, ACC, Notre Dame to kind of get a few more uh, non-conference games in there. Because, you know, in the big picture sense, you know, just saving Florida State, Florida, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, that ranks, I think, pretty high uh, among the wish list for, you know, the AD and, and conference commissioners. So I think when you look at what Notre Dame will probably do is, They'll have the games against the ACC. They play Arkansas. Wouldn't surprise me maybe to see them schedule BYU. And I think we may see some other arrangements to fill out a 10-game schedule. But really, uh, you know, you look at independence. BYU, I think, is in bigger trouble than Notre Dame just because they have the ACC agreement. Good point, Steve. I'm talking right now with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. And when it comes, but I think obviously Notre Dame has that notoriety. I think that's the fact. That's the why I'm bringing them up immediately 
over a program like BYU, now I think they could wind up probably in a, figuring out something with New Mexico State. But beyond that, it's kind of like you're scratching your head trying to figure out who you're going to kind of play against because you're kind of in the middle of virtual nowhere. Indiana, you could, have, you could kind of be the proverbial pick of the litter, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Notre Dame has such a national following and a national brand that immediately TV, any type of fans that you can have this year, Notre Dame can do it for you. And you look at you know the Notre Dame and the ACC network, that's one of the biggest reasons that the ACC could start the network. They had that agreement with Notre Dame. They had a huge crowd against Duke for the game that was televised. Uh, last season. So, you know, there's kind of some beneficial agreements for both parties. But on BYU's side of things, you know, they had a good schedule this year, six Power 5 opponents, a road game against Boise State. Maybe they can still schedule some Mountain West teams. Maybe they schedule New Mexico State, Liberty, and Army. Uh, But, you know, as far as the quality of schedule, uh, it is significantly worse for BYU than it w- than it would have been at the start of this year, and that's taken into account assuming everything goes perfect for the Mountain West, which you know for the Group of Five teams right now, it's re- it, we really don't have a lot of direction as far as where they're going to end up. And Steve, I mean, we're bringing up some of those notable matchups. You brought up USC, Alabama, the USC Notre Dame game. You had TCU at Cal. A lot of other great matchups on that were going to be on the table that are now. Like more likely they're not canceled. Which week one matchup were you most looking forward to that now isn't going to happen? You know, I think Alabama versus USC, just simply because of the history, the traditions, just seeing the the Alabama and USC uniforms uh, on the same field is always really cool. And then, you know, I, I'm just I've been fascinated by USC this offseason because they have so much offensive firepower there's so much potential with that program and you know getting a look at what Alabama had with Mac Jones now is probably the full-time starting quarterback it would have been a good matchup to start the year but you know some other ones Washington and Michigan a big time game for both teams from Michigan it was the the new quarterback you know Washington you had a new coaching staff um, there are a lot of games that we're really going to miss out on and assuming we have a playoff this year those non-conference games are really important for seeding and kind of understanding the landscape of where each conference is so we're really going to miss out on good games like Alabama USC uh, and, and Washington and Michigan as well. Talking right now, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. And you brought up the fact that the group of five programs like like the Mountain West, especially you look at the Sun Belt Conference, they've lost four non-conference games so far due to the scheduling changes. Haven't announced any changes to their schedule yet, but I'm sure once the SEC does it, the Sun Belt will follow suit because it usually kind of correlates with one another, especially with the fact that they do share an officiating crew alongside them. I think the biggest question is, What's going to happen to these group of five programs? Would it be more feasible for, let's say, let's let's use the Sun Belt as an example since it's right here in the heart of Cajun country. Is it more feasible for the group of five to just punt until the spring? You know, I think it's an interesting debate. My concern with the spring is I don't know there's any guarantee that things will be better. I mean, we certainly hope, though, that by February or March the outlook would be different. I thought that would be the case now. Here we are in, in at the end of July when, when we talked in March and April. I thought things would be a lot better. So I think banking on the spring 
to be better for college football is a little risky this year. And not to mention, you know, there's this idea that I think you're starting to see, well, if you play eight games in the spring, how does it impact the 2021 season? And if somebody gets hurt in the spring, all of a sudden it could impact their fall status. So you really be hurting two seasons at that point instead of trying to contain the damage to one. You know, we, I think the big question will be, does the SEC schedule a non-conference game that's not a Power 5 team? You know, do they try to keep some of those agreements against group of five teams maybe to start the year as the first game? Um, you know, in some cases where the MAC, uh, one of the athletic directors, I believe it was for Miami of Ohio, mentioned that, you know, the spring probably would be better because maybe they could have crowds by then. But, you know, I just think it's too risky to wait and see if things are better. I think if you have an opportunity to play in the fall, you have to do it. So we're now Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. And flipping on over to the Athlon Sports magazine, you mentioned it earlier, I got it. I've enjoyed thumbing through that so far. But my question to you is, I know y'all start this probably right after the season ends, right? Y'all, y'all start really the preparations for the 2020 book right after football season wraps up, right after the national champion's been crowned. Y'all start the conversations. But what's been the biggest struggle to get this magazine together in a year where, you know, obviously once March rolled around, whenever y'all were starting to probably put the finishing touches on all of this, like what was going on through y'all's mind during that time? concerned whether or not we'd have a season you know we, we actually pushed back our delivery date two weeks to kind of buy some time to see if we would have any clarity uh, of course we didn't really get any clarity but we just decided to go ahead and put the magazine out there in hopes of a season but you know i think the thing that we lost was during spring practice the intel and the kind of stuff you learn. You learn about a quarterback battle. You learn about, um, you know, different breakout players, which freshmen are, you know, making an impact. And, you know, I think this weighed into our predictions, too, because, you know, you look at first-year coaches, someone like Lane Kiffin, uh, Mike Leach, Mike Norvell. I think not having the offseason could really hurt all first-year coaches. I think it's better this year if you have a lot of returning starters, a proven quarterback, uh, continuity on your coaching staff. So I think, you know, we just missed out on having spring practice to learn a little bit more about every team. I don't know that you can necessarily watch two spring games and say one team is going to be better than this one, but I do think there is stuff you learn throughout the spring from just what coaches are saying and just what you kind of see from around the country. So I, I think missing out on that and worrying about whether or not we'd have a season was two of the things that went through our mind. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hopefully we'll find we'll get more detail. We'll probably hit you up in a couple weeks when we make the move over from 10 to noon to 11 to 1. We'll hit you up, and hopefully we'll know a lot more about the future of college football by then. Hey, Clint, that sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks, as always, for having me on. All right, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. Make sure you get your Athlon Sports mags. They're out right now. Make sure you check them out. I believe they're at your local newsstands right now. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we got a lot more to get to. Wrap it up, hour number one in style. And I'll tell you why I missed out on last week's show. Very important stuff. We'll talk about that next right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Back after this. CD may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. 
Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Wrap it up hour number one in style. And get a little more personal here in this last segment right now. And I'm going to go ahead and break it down for you just like this. Last Saturday, if you were listening in from 10 a.m. to noon, you didn't hear these dulcet tones. You didn't hear me over the course of two hours. And I'm sure a lot of y'all missed that part of the show. And, you know, I wasn't able to be here, and there was a big reason why. Last week, I got in contact with someone who contracted COVID. I was very much, you know, out of an abundance of caution for the sake of everything going on. I was able to come here on Friday because I wasn't showing any symptoms. I was perfectly fine. Still am. Still am. I'm perfectly fine. But I need to go get tested anyways to kind of make sure that I did not have it. I went go get tested on early Saturday morning. I went and get the rapid test, which was an interesting experience in and of itself. And it's just the waiting and the unknown of it all had me all kinds of concern. It was out of an abundance of caution because of the fact that I was going to go get tested for COVID-19. Luckily, came out negative. Thank my lucky stars. I'm still here to be able to do this show with you. And I'm glad that I am. But it was still just the most nerve-wracking 24 hours of my life. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to come right out and say it. That was probably the worst 24 hours of my life. Because I did not know what was going on. It, it's I mentioned this to Ben, ben Love on Monday. It was the fact that, you know, it was the unknown of it all. Like, I was, I felt good. Everything looked like everything was fine with me. I wasn't, I could still taste I could still smell. I could I could do all the things that like you normally could do if you don't have the symptoms. I felt like everything was okay. But again, it's not like the flu, and it was something I thought about because I had the flu about six years ago, and that was like one of the worst experiences of my life because I just felt like absolute dog you-know-what. But also, I was just so darn nervous for that 24-hour span because it's this case is a factor that you don't know if you have it or not. You could be asymptomatic. This is a case of a runny nose or something like that, and you could have this and pass it on to somebody who could be suffering much worse from it. That's where I'm at with all this. I have just been like very much stressed out about it, and I was glad that everything came out all right. But as you may well know, a lot of this stuff takes time. So I, t- I didn't do the show and I wasn't able to get here after 10. Thankfully, you know, Ray, Ray was like, hey, no problem, man. Make sure you take care of yourself and get this done. And then Monday, you're negative. You come back, and I'm back. And it was, I mentioned, probably one of the worst experiences of my life because you just don't know. And luckily, I'm negative. I am back in the studios, and I'm here with you. Because, man, I was looking forward to last week's show because, I was going to have CJ Caesar on. I was going to have Steve Laz on. Probably have somebody else on, talk a little Astros. I was thinking about doing an around the AL West edition of the show, but, you know, things just didn't necessarily line up. Then everything going on with college football changed a lot of the perspective of how I was going to put together the two hour program. And I'm looking forward to continuing to do this show going forward. 
which once again makes me want to bring up the fact that starting in two weeks' time, August 1st, we're moving over an hour. We're going to be airing from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We got Unprompted with Louis Prejean leading us in. We actually have a lead-in now, 9 a.m. to 11. Louis Prejean going to be joining the weekend lineup. No longer the lone wolf. Our wolf pack grew, grows by one. It's like Alan from The Hangover. We grew by one, and I'm absolutely looking forward to it. It's going to be a perfect way to kind of jumpstart your weekend. You'll have Lewis talk about all his Pelicans. Then I'll come out and talk all about my Astros, and maybe you'll hear a little bit of Reds talk with Lewis Prejean. But we'll give more details, a little more details about what's going on with our weekend lineup next Saturday. Going to try and get RP3 on. I got to open up the program because I feel like he was a big part of this whole thing being put together. So it's apropos. We bring him on. Hour one of the books, it's history. We move on from it. Hour two, coming up next. And we got a lot of great things to get to, including what's going on with the NBA snitch hotline. I may have gotten the number. I may have gotten the number. And then also do some SEC media days, kind of talk. Ian Calciberry joined the program at 1130. We got that and a whole lot more, so don't you dare miss a second of it. 1037 The Game Under the Dome coming up in just a few right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! It's time! And time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, The Game. Hey, welcome everybody to the Must Listen to Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show in all of Acadia. And of course, we're talking about Under the Dome with yours truly coming to you live from the game studios. As always, it is the world famous CD. Clint Doming, my favorite student at UL. And we're coming to you live as always from those 1037 The Game Studios. I can't help it. That I'm custom made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, woo, can't dance all night long. And of course, we appreciate you listening in, however, you're doing so, be it through the FM dial. This is where the power lies. Or however, you're doing so, free mobile apps, smart speakers, everything in between. We appreciate you listening in through your Alexa, Google Chrome, Google Home, Google Chrome. Maybe even your Windows phone. I don't know if they use those still work in 2020, but you know, maybe maybe you have it. But we appreciate you listening in, and of course, it is Acadiana's number one sports station. And I'm here feeling pretty darn good. And now we're gonna have a lot more fun in hour number two. When last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made, you're talking to the Rolex. Wearing diamond ring, wearing kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, 
son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. And I got to say, I'm loving a day like today because last night I was kind of just sitting home. All of a sudden I got a text from somebody. Somebody gave me the the number to call for the snitch hotline. So I decided to give it a couple tries to call in, and here's kind of some of the results of what happened last night. You have reached the coach's hot line. Line. Come on. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Come on, Cincinnati. We must consider many. Oh, God. The wind. The wind? Blowing out of the west at five miles per hour. Nine. Ridiculous. That was the first attempt. I was like, okay, that did not work at all. Like, why did I get a. Like a hotline number for that. Don't know why, but okay. You know, so I decided to try again. I was given multiple numbers, and they told me these were the numbers to hit up to get into the NBA snitch hotline. So here's the second attempt that we tried last night. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Yes. I'd say Nightmare on Elm Street. The one where the guy had knives for fingers. Yep. Freddy, that's right. I like that movie. It was scary. Overall, it kind of sucked, you know, but, you know, more power to you. That one obviously, you know, didn't work out, but we're going to try. We tried one more time, and then I kind of just realized maybe somebody was pulling my leg. And I definitely realized that the third go around when we pushed the button and we called them, we called the person up and we, we got their voicemail, and it was interesting. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out, or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Why did I get the George Costanza's like phone number? Like I don't understand how all that happened. But you know what? Whatever. We're gonna go ahead and move on from it. We try calling the NBA snitch hotline, not to snitch on anybody, just to see if we actually got the number, and we didn't. So you know, we're gonna move on from it. And I'm going to delete that person's number from my contact list because they gave me the wrong numbers. But one of the other things that popped up over the course of the last 24 hours, in fact, this popped up moments before we got on the air, involving the NFL and training camp report dates. This is coming from Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network showing this release. They came out. Troy Vincent Sr. sent this to GMs and head coaches, and Tom Pelissero somehow, someway, managed to pull a swiper and swiped this from them. It involves training camp report dates. Rookies are going to report on July 21st. Quarterbacks and injured players on July 23rd. Then everybody else on July 28th. This is all applicable for all clubs, except for Houston and KC, because they'll be opening up the season. And they're going to be going there a little bit early. So those are the two franchises that you're going to have to see what happens with them. But... I got to say, we have to say right here, right now, that training camp report dates, that's a huge step in the right direction when it comes to what's going on involving the NFL and maybe resuming business as per the huge. And I'm absolutely perfect when it comes down to it. And I love what's going on with the NFL taking the proper steps, taking the proper precautions 
to make sure this is done the right way. And this was all at yesterday's league meeting. It was a, basically a big conference call, Zoom call, whatever you want to call it. And they all got together, and the membership was advised that under the CBA, the reporting dates for this year are as follows. And I, I'm all the way for it. I am all the way here for it. And I'm absolutely looking forward to football being back in our lives. Another big thing that came out earlier this week, and I was blown away by this, in case you missed it, you had Eric Gilbert, freshman tied in named to the John Mackey Award watch list yesterday, and that was a shock to the system. One, because an LSU player that was a tight end was nominated on as part of a watch list. And number two, I think the fact that, you know, there were so many things I just was questioning about this season and seeing a freshman make this list more power to you. And Ed Ozeron was actually on um, radio, national radio earlier today, and he mentioned there's no doubt they'll be playing the college football season. His team will be ready whenever it begins. So that's another like positive thing. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Ed Ogeron, you know, he has largely said college football is great for America. I agree with that statement, but maybe not quite to the level of the U.S. of A. And for me, it's without a doubt, I think we need to say right here, right now, it's important for the future of college sports, period. Like, and college sports is largely in America. So it's important for America in that sense. Not in terms of, you know, the nation and all and the healing post COVID nineteen and everything else that's been going on in the world of the last four months. And there's been a lot of things. And I think, you know, the fact that this all has happened, you know, in the last four months has kind of like given us a chance to open our eyes a little bit to see what's going on across the world rather than have these distractions, if you will. I think that's the big takeaway I've had from all this over the last four months. But again, I'm looking forward to the fact we have the NBA, the NBA season coming up. The MLB is going to be starting up once again next Friday. Starting next Friday, the Astros are back in action looking to make it back to the World Series and trying to, try and change the storyline about them. Trying to make them they, – they're already the big heels. I've talked about this in the past. They are the true heels in the world of MLB, and it's kind of justified, but I'm still going to root for them like they're the baby faces because they are my team, and I'm not like our guy Louis Prejean out there rooting for the Cincinnati Reds. Honestly, I feel like that's the most hilarious part of all this is that Louis, after spending weeks wondering if he could become a baseball fan, he was out at the Cane Cutters game with us, and then he's basically tried to make the decision. And he finally picks a team. And he picks the Cincinnati Reds, all because of the fact that they replied to the tweet on Twitter. More power to you. Enjoy watching the Cincinnati Reds be largely irrelevant for like most of the year, especially in a 60-game season. They are not coming anywhere close to winning a World Series ring. And we'll talk about that with Ian Castleberry. He'll be joining the program in at 11.30, so about 20 minutes from right now, we'll talk to him about what's causing all this in the MLB right here, right now. It's looking like everything's looking good. Could we see this season be finished? He's being Blaine. We talked about this yesterday. Blaine Vietar filling in for Ben Love. It's been guest host week, if you will, here on Acadiana Sports Station. We had, you know, 
your boy Jordy Holberg, he's been out for a week. We had all, we've had Nick Fontenot and George Faust on. And one of the big things that we've been talking about is, you know, besides the Legends of the Fall bracket, which I'll talk about in the next segment, segment real quick, but I'm looking forward to seeing like the likelihood of sports being able to finish out. And I think the NBA has the best chance out of all of them to do so. It's 22 teams, you've got eight games, and then you've got, you know, hypothetically, you've got seven yeah, a seven-game series for the playoffs. I am absolutely thinking that the NBA has every chance to finish the season as per the use because of the fact that they're in a bubble and the fact that they are taking this thing really seriously. Then you got the MLB. I think the MLB has a solid chance to finish, but maybe in not in the form it's in. Not in the form of, hey, we're going to do a 60-game season and basically we're sitting here wondering what's going to happen with these COVID-19 tests. You had a 60-player pool. Don't be surprised if minor league cats show up in here. I think that's going to be the biggest question mark concerning the 2020 season. What happens with the, the Astros and everybody else? How can they control what they can't control, basically, and that is the other team? How do they control that situation? And I think they've got every opportunity to really prove they know what they're doing with this kind of stuff. The NFL... They're going to finish out. I think no matter what, they're going to finish out the 2020 season. It feels highly unlikely that we see 2020 season get canceled, postponed, even paused. Like barring anything out of the ordinary, like half the teams have like multiple tests come back positive. There, there's there's got to be something that's got to be a breaking point for the NFL. But I think we'll see that season kind of run through itself. The college football world, I'm definitely a little less, a little less like confident. Some because of the fact there's so many moving parts versus you know the NFL. You got 32 teams, and they're all under rule by one person. College football and college sports in general, you're dealing with multiple people across multiple schools. You get you got to deal with athletic directors, commissioners. Mark Emmert hasn't really done much, and I know. Uh, Paul was talking some smack about him, and I'd say sort of justifiably so, but hopefully they can get this season going, and maybe we'll see an end game. We'll see the season be able to come to an end and be justified. But, you know, that's a different conversation for a different day. When we come back, though, we're going to talk college football, but we're going to talk about it in a sense of what I think or how I think the 2020 season is going to go for the LSU Tigers and the rest of the SEC Talk about that next right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. SEC Media Days for me kind of gets going next. Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now, back to the famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. 
And we welcome you back. Steve Lass is going to join us. Excuse me. I ain't Castleberry. I had Steve Lass on, on last hour. But we'll talk a little bit of MLB in just a little bit. But I'm going to start off by looking at the SEC because one of the big things I was looking forward to this week at the beginning of the year was the potential of going to SEC media days for the second straight year over in the ATL where the Falcons play and blow 28-3 leads like every day. But I want to have a little fun and look at the SEC and do a preseason you know, projections and predictions, if you will, for what's going on in the West and in the East. A lot like what we would do if we were out in Atlanta earlier this week. But, you know, we weren't able to do so. So I'm going to go ahead and give my votes right here, right now. I don't, I didn't vote this year because I wasn't there. I don't know when we would be able to do the preseason media poll or whatever like we did last year. So I'm going to start off in the West division. I think LSU wins the West. I think they have every chance to do so. Yes, they only have eight starters coming back. Yes, they have an inexperienced QB in Miles Brennan. But I like their chances of really shocking the world here. Because, you know, Mac Jones just doesn't really say much to me in comparison to to Otungavilloa, the five-star freshman Bryce Young starting this fall. This is probably the most uncertain time for Nick Saban's program in a long while. They're bringing back a lot of great players, but I think LSU is going to have a lot of great depth and the fact that this is going to be another year in the spread. You've got a guy like Bo Pelini back leading the defense after Dave Aranda left. I give this team every single chance to finish first in the West. Of course, it's all if we have a season, but I'm not going to talk about that much more. But to me, LSU finishes number one in the SEC West. Alabama's right behind him at numero dos. I, I can't not think of the team being there. Alabama has every chance to like crash the college football playoff party. Again, if we have a college football playoff. But Alabama sits at number two. Alabama loses to LSU. That's the reason why they go in that range. And then I got to go with Auburn. I got to go with Auburn number three. I would love to go with Texas A&M, but I feel like Auburn is a little bit better. You've got Bo Nix, Kellen Mond for Texas A&M. By the way, the Aggies are fourth in the SEC West of my projections. He's got to prove a lot to me. I think that's the biggest thing. Kellen Mond has got to prove a lot to me as a quarterback. He's got another year under his belt, and they have the most starters of any team in the West, but I think it's going to require a lot more. And this is a year where I think Jimbo Fisher, that heat gets turned up on him a lot more. And we see Gus Malzahn really prove himself. Bo Nix in his sophomore year, he had an opportunity to get a lot more playing time. I mean, he helped. He was a big part of beating Alabama. It wasn't a freak kick six type play. It wasn't necessarily a blowout, but at the end of the day, he beat all. He beat Alabama. A freshman bleeping quarterback beat Alabama. Bo Nix in his sophomore year. I got a Bo leave in that program to get it done. Auburn is going to take a huge step forward with a guy like Chad Morris giving the calls. I think Auburn is going to be a ten and two team. You got the Aggies. They're going to continue to be eight and four. I think it's just because of the fact that they've got a really strong top tier in the SEC. And that second tier, there's a significant gap relative to where they're at in the world of college football. Number five in in the SEC West is going to be Ole Miss. I think they finished fifth in the SEC West. 
Lane Kiffin's going to want to like getting things done, and they're going to want to really turn things around with Lane Kiffin in the first year. Now, do I think they can make like leaps and bounds? No, but I think at the end of the day, they're still going to be a tier two SEC program. They're probably going to remain that way for a good bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could start like putting a gap between themselves and maybe a program like Mississippi State, which I think is going to be in sixth in the West. So because of the fact Arkansas is still going to be seventh. Sam Pittman has got a John Taffer bar rescue job right now to be able to kind of revive this Arkansas program that has just been an absolute joke over the last like few years. So right here, right now, I'm going to recap the SEC West for you real quick. LSU, number one, Alabama, number two, Auburn, three, Texas A&M, fourth, fifth is Ole Miss, sixth is Mississippi State, and Arkansas. Arkansas is at the bottom of the tiers in the SEC, the Conference Dixie. That's where I stand right now in the SEC West. Now, the SEC East, I am a lot more inclined than most. And this was a month or two ago. Me and Ben talked about it. I think Florida wins the East. I just have to, I have it in my heart of hearts that Florida wins the SEC East. Dan Mullen is in his third year. I keep mentioning the key words in terms of like, year three of a program. It is probably the most crucial year to have a lot of success, especially in the Conference of Dixie. Look at what Ed Ogeron did in three years. He's going to be the bar for a lot of programs going forward because he was able to take LSU from, you know, the old I formation, three wide receiver sets, and I got to say, this is where we're at. Florida is going to be number one in the SEC East. Georgia's going to be like right behind him. It's all about what happens at the world's largest cocktail party, which will still be in Jacksonville, according to a lot of reports. You have got to be thinking the fact that Florida's defense is going to lift this Gators team to a little bit better heights. Kyle Trask is going to be there. He can stay healthy. I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed with Florida last year was inconsistency at quarterback. And it wasn't necessarily their fault. Is the fact you had a lot of guys get injured, a lot of guys get banged up. And I think the fact that, you know, Dan Mullen has been probably one of the more consistent coaches year to year. Because his first year at Mississippi State, it wasn't good. It, it, heading into that job at Mississippi State, he turned that around and made it a little more sexy. And that's saying something considering the fact they're in freaking Starkville, Mississippi, one of the probably worst towns amongst SEC programs. Number two is Georgia. I think I gotta go with number three being Tennessee. As much as I, I think, while I was looking forward to hearing Mike Leach and you got him, uh, Lane Kiffin talking at the pulpit, I am so not. I was so not looking forward to hearing Jeremy Pruitt ramble on for about twenty minutes. But I think they go third. They've been doing a great job with recruiting, and they can really make the SEC East a lot more entertaining than it has been in the past, where it's largely been Georgia and everybody else. I think Tennessee. If they continue the recruiting trail and getting things done from that end, there's a good chance that we could see a, a really great program down the road and a really fun SEC East. Looks like we got a guest on the game hotline, so I'm going to go ahead and get to it right now. What is going on? What's up, man? Enjoying your show, buddy. You're making my morning go by as I work, man. Hey, Chad, but, what's man, good, I man? Agree with you. But, man, I agree with you. Uh, I think LSU wins the West. I think Florida beats Georgia. I think Georgia's overhyped, man. They've had five uh, top three recruiting classes in the last four years and really haven't uh, done much, in my opinion. 
I think Florida beats LSU uh, if the season goes on. I think Florida beats LSU at Florida, but I think LSU gets them in the SEC championship and beats them. Uh, and it goes on to the college playoff, man. But uh, keep up the good work, brother. Later. All right, all right, Chad. Thank you so much for calling in, my man. Did not expect a call. I was just like in the middle of my rant about Tennessee. I think Tennessee finishes third. And I think LSU, honestly, if all the cards were on the table, we had all 12, we have all 12 games. Not to say that's not going to happen, but if we have all 12 games, I think LSU goes undefeated. I think LSU goes undefeated. The coin flip games are Florida and Alabama. Those are the coin flip games, but I think they can still win both. Those are very much like French games. They're going to beat the Tar out of Texas A&M, I think, in the end of the year. They're just going to beat the Everlove and you-know-what out of them, and who knows what's going to happen with what's going on with Jimbo Fisher and all that money he's getting paid. Number four has got to be Kentucky out of the East. I think that's where we're going to stand at right now. They're coming off their best two-year stretch since back in the 1970s. Mark Stoops has helped make this team a lot better, and it's all about what we see with their quarterback. If he continues to develop, I think he fin- they can have every chance to finish fourth and again, Kentucky could be a contender in the next couple of years to see where this SEC East goes. It won't maybe it won't be the Jabronis of the past. And then we got number five, South Carolina. This could very well be the end of the road for one Will Muschamp. If they underwhelm, he's gone in my book. If they if they don't if they get to fifth place in the SEC East, he gone. And I think that's what's going to happen. More likely than not, I'd, I'd, if I were fantasy booking this thing, I think Billy Napier might take that job. I think he very well could take that job, of course, if the Cajuns do extremely well and everything goes off according to plan. Number six, while he's a great promo guy, I got to go with Mizzou finishing sixth. Eli Drinkwitz, the new head coach, he's got a lot more to deal with than he did at App State. If he turns this program around and gets him into the top four in the SEC East, I'll give him all the credit in the world because this dude knows what he's doing. But Eli Drinkwitz was in a good position at App State. Didn't you have, you know, Derek Mason and Vandy, they finished dead last in the SEC East. And I would love to see Derek Mason stick around, but I just don't know if he's going to. I think that's going to be a million-dollar question we all wonder. But again, in case you missed it, I have LSU winning the SEC West, Florida winning the East, LSU beats Florida both times, and they go over to the college football playoff. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, and when we come back, we'll get Ian Castleberry on the program, talk a little bit about the MLB. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game on 103.7thegame.com. trying times. The world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. And 
Welcome back, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game, 1037thegame.com. We got to give the people what they want, and that is some baseball talk as we get closer to the start of the 2020 MLB season. It's a truncated one. It'll start next Thursday. The Astros will play on Friday. And by the way, you'll hear that right here on 103.7 The Game all season long. And now we go to the game hotline. Ian Castleberry joining the program. Ian, what is going on, my good brother? Hey there. Happy to give the people what they want. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm absolutely glad you were able to come on the program once again. And i got to start things off just like how great is it about the fact that we are finally getting to the point where baseball is going to be back in our lives with actual games going on, not these intra-squad stuff that we've been seeing as of late, actual games that actually matter. I can't believe this is actually happening. I mean, I've spent three, maybe four months uh, pessimistic that, you know, this wasn't going to happen either because of COVID-19 or because of of the salary disputes. But, yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed uh, watching even these inter-squad games uh, and workouts. Uh, I had my computer out watching uh, the Tigers uh, last last Sunday. I I watched them last night. I watched a little bit of Dodgers. Uh, So, it is going to be weird to not have fans, but I'm very curious to watch these games, as you said, that are going to count, and just to see you know the different rule changes, National League teams batting with a designated hitter. I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited as well. You brought up one of my favorite things about this whole season is the fact that we have a universal DH. I think it's well past time Bartolo Colon's done, so why not just do away with the pitchers hitting in the National League? We don't need to see it. Give me the DH. Just give the people what they want. Yeah, I mean, you know, people bring up, like you mentioned, Bartolo Colon or uh, uh, Madison Bumgarner, you know, Josh Beckett, somebody hitting a home run. I mean, those moments are exciting, but they're so rare. Uh, most of the time, you know, it's just a pitcher bunning, or especially when you have interleague play, American League pitchers who, who don't bat during the regular season are just going up there. You know, they just want to get through with it. Just maybe they'll flail the bat. Uh, and, and this this really gives uh, some of the National League teams, I, I think, uh, a really good opportunity to put their best lineups out there. You know, like the Mets, they could play Yoan Cespedes uh, at designated hitter if he's not ready uh, to play the outfield. Uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, looked like they had a potentially exciting opportunity with the DH. Uh, Yasuo Puig failed his COVID-19 test, so he, as of right now, is not a member of the Braves. But if he tests negative uh, two weeks from now, maybe that's something that the Braves uh, revisit. Uh, I think the Cubs, you know, the, the Cubs have always had trouble finding a, a, the ideal f- spot for Kyle Schwarber. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have a really uh, deep lineup. I think that the designated hitter is really going to be to their benefit. Uh, like you said, Clint, this is long overdue. I, I, for the last couple seasons, maybe three seasons, it, it, there has been a movement toward this. We're going to see it this season uh, in this truncated 60-game season. I think we're going to see the Universal DH next season over a full 162 games, and then with a new collective bargaining agreement, I think it's going to be negotiated. Uh, I, I can't imagine that the players won't want uh, a designated here. You know, that, that, that's an extra uh, 15 jobs at least. 
for uh, for the players' union. Um, and I, you know, I understand those who are purists and, and those who like uh, every player uh, getting to bat in the lineup, but it's long overdue. There, there are too many good hitters uh, not to, to be in, in lineups uh, swinging the bat for National League teams. Exactly, Ian. I think that's definitely the big thing that I'm just looking forward to. And I had the fact you brought up it was like over the last couple of seasons there's just been talk about. It. I think it's just the fact that, you know, I brought up it er- brought it up earlier. You had Big Sexy hit that home run. That's where we peaked in in the non DHNL society. <laughs> You're right. They should have just retired go out on top, right? I mean retire the rule right there. It's never gonna get better than that. Exactly. It's like we, we peaked as a society whenever Bartolo Colon hit a <laughs> Absolute jack with the Mets, and it's it was like, every time he bats, it's amazing to begin with. I mean, the helmet doesn't fit his head enough. Everything going on with him, but just looking at this season in and of itself, I think this is a big talking point I've had with a lot of people over the last few days. Is should there be an asterisk on the twenty twenty season? I think there has to be. Um, I, I mean, it, it is going to be a legitimate season. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody's going to question the legitimacy of a World Series champion. I mean, you, you still have to go through the regular season. They are going to play a full postseason. Uh, but in terms of – it's just going to mess so much with the records. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to have – we might not even have a, a, a batter hit 20 home runs this year. You know, we're not going to have a 20-game winner. We're not, the usual standards that apply to a baseball season you – know, 600 at bats, uh, 200 innings, uh, and so forth. I think there has to be an asterisk because there's so there, there's so many things that are going to be different. Uh, lineups are, are going to be different as well. Suffering an injury is going to be a significant development for every team. If you are on the 10-day injured list, that's a huge chunk of the season now. Or if you suffer, you know, the the Detroit Tigers just announced that. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman is going to be out for uh, 45 days. Uh, that, that's pretty much the season. His season is pretty much done. You know, you could look at maybe him coming back uh, d- during a, a full 162-game season. Uh, he, he could come back uh, maybe partway through. And we're also going to see some top prospects, I think, as a result of being on these taxi squads, contributing more to a regular season than they would under normal circumstances, maybe, you know, a, a top prospect, a, a top rookie would come up during September and be a factor in the pennant race. But they could be a significant factor, especially over a 60-game season, over a, a whole season. You know, players that normally wouldn't get that opportunity are going to get that opportunity now. And the teams with that kind of depth in the organization, I think, are going to possibly have a significant advantage. So what you're saying is basically like the stats should have an asterisk, but the World Series title should. I don't think it should. Uh, it, I, you know, your original question was, will it? And, uh, you know, maybe there's a team, if a team like, say, the Texas Rangers or the Toronto Blue Jays, maybe, uh, I don't know if the New York Mets are, are fair to put into this category because they won 86 games last season, but a team that would not normally have won over a 162-game season, goes on to win the World Series, maybe that, that will be looked back at as an asterisk. But, you know, you have, you've had wild-card teams like uh, the Marlins, the Giants, win the World Series, and, and those aren't 
uh, th- those aren't regarded with any sort of asterisk. Uh, obviously, the season uh, was different. But, uh, no, I, I don't think we're going to look back and – Whoever, uh, whoever is the World Series champion is after the 2020 season, I still think uh, flags fly forever, and uh, we won't look back on that with an asterisk. Talk right now, Ian Castleberry. And, Ian, I think one of the other things that I'm just wondering about right now is your Detroit Tigers. I know you're a big Tigers fan. You're from that area. What have they kind of looked like in the middle of those practices that you've been able to kind of watch on these live streams? Uh, I I think it's going to be rough. I mean, I think the Tigers are going to be a bad team. So I don't think they're going to be that team that, you know, might be mediocre, but that that could be a good team over uh, a 60-game period. But, uh, you know, I mentioned top prospects uh, possibly being a factor uh, in the game with Jordan Zimmerman out now, for instance, you know, a top prospect like Casey Mize, who was the number one overall draft pick two years ago. Matt Manning, uh, top prospects for the Tigers, could be a factor uh, over this season. Maybe Spencer Torkelson, uh, the, the number one overall pick this season, uh, get, gets some at-bats. So I think it's an exciting uh, opportunity uh, to watch, for the Tigers to watch them, to see uh, some of those uh, top prospects possibly uh, be a factor. But otherwise, uh, I think uh, the big question with the Tigers is, Miguel Cabrera, and will he return to the form, uh, you know, in which he was the top hitter in baseball, a two-time MVP, really has uh, suffered from injuries uh, the past couple of seasons. Can he come back? He looks in great shape. He was uh, in the original spring training. He looks like he's in really good shape for this summer camp. Uh, will he have a big season? Ian, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about as of late involving the MLB is the fact that I think everybody is going to realize in the first two weeks, two to three weeks of the season, possibly longer, how important the bridge guy is going to be in the MLB. He's obviously, you're not going to see a guy like Justin Verlander pitch more than like five innings, right? No, I, I think that's a huge factor, too. Yeah, we, again, you know, like I mentioned, that we're not going to see the 200 inning guys. Yeah, I think, you know, because of this long break and the shorter summer camp workouts, you're right. I think five innings will be the complete game of 2020. Guys are not going to be uh, maybe, you know, toward the end of the season, you know, if we're talking about September, you know, guys will be stretched out enough to maybe uh, pitch a complete game. But I think we're going to see a lot of uh, what we've seen over the past couple of seasons, especially toward uh, the end of the season, you know, the uh, the opener, uh, the bullpen starts, you know. So guys like Justin Verlander, they'll go three innings, uh, and, and then uh, other starters could come in to piggyback. Uh, bullpens are going to be extremely important. So teams uh, with uh, a deep bullpen, I think, are going to have a huge advantage as opposed to uh, those who, who maybe, you know, could have a, a really good closer and a really good setup man. But the middle of that bullpen, whether uh, they're starters uh, or, or their their long relief guys, uh, I think are going to be at a disadvantage. A team like the Astros, I think, is really set up well uh, for this uh, for this shortened season because of that. All right, Ian. Before I let you go, I got to kind of put you under the hot plate right now and figure <laughs> out who do you think is going to be coming out of the AL and the NL with the World Series. I think, well, you know, I, I, these these picks probably aren't going to seem really daring here, but I, mean, I think 
the Dodgers in the National League, I think, are set up really well for, for this circumstance. So, you know, they have Mookie Betts. Sometimes I even forget, you know, like the Dodgers added Mookie Betts. You know, it's been so long since that move happened. Uh, he's going to want to have a big season because he's going to be a free agent after the season. Uh, they have a, a deep rotation, even though David Price is opting out of the season. They, they have a deep bullpen. I think they're set up uh, very well. The Astros, and I think the New York Yankees, uh, even though uh, they, they have lost uh, a couple, Domingo Herman uh, is going to be out for the season. We don't know what, what Masahiro Tanaka is going to be, but they had a Garrett Cole. They have an extremely deep lineup, one of the best bullpens in baseball. Uh, I know I'm not, I'm not going out on a limb here, but I do think the Yankees and the Dodgers look like the best bets out of each league right now. You talked about Herman. I mean, do you think he's really going to hang it up? Because I think that was one of, like his tweet last night saying he was done with baseball. Is there was some validity to that in your mind, or was maybe it's just like rampant speculation? That was really cryptic, and I hope uh, people around him and the Yankees are kind of checking on him to, to, to see – what he meant. Maybe he's just really down because he wasn't going to play this season anyway because he's serving an 81-game suspension for domestic violence. He served some of that last year. He, he had 63 games remaining on that suspension, so that's going to take up the whole regular season. But he could pitch in the postseason. Uh, MLB has said he, he would be allowed to pitch in the postseason. So, if you're the, again, I don't know if he was down on himself or, or maybe there, there's some health uh, a concern, whether it's his arm or, or something with COVID-19. Uh, that was a very strange uh, message from Domingo Herman. He did sound so, like he was somewhat discouraged, uh, but I would not count him out if he's available to pitch uh, in the postseason. And he's still, he's still really young. This is a guy who has a lot of baseball ahead of him uh, if, he, if he doesn't get uh, too down. Uh, or, you know, if he turns around his life after this domestic violence suspension. Are the Los Angeles Dodgers the happiest team to kind of start the season? Because if they didn't start the season, they were going to, they were basically going to be without Mookie Betts. I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they had to be sweating, right? Like, we, we make this big deal, and we might not even get Mookie Betts uh, for a full season. So, yeah, they have to be thrilled uh, with, with that. Uh, I... I do wonder, you know, in a shortened season, you know, could Clayton Kershaw, uh, could he be even better uh, for the postseason? Will he? Ha I think part of the reason he's struggling in the postseason is because the guy's pitched, you know, 225, 250 innings by the time he gets to October, and that's not going to be the case this year. And, again, a very uh, deep bullpen. But yeah, adding Mookie Betts to what was already an outstanding lineup with Cody Bellinger, National League uh, most valuable player, Jack Peterson, Justin Turner, Max Muncy had a breakout season. Uh, yeah, you're right. The Dodgers have to be thrilled that they're going to actually get some return for Mookie Betts this year. Ian, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hey, I can't wait. Thanks so much for having me on, Clint. Take care. All right, man. That was Ian Castleberry, part of the comeback, also the host of the podcast. So hopefully you check that out when you get the chance. We'll wrap up the program next. Wrap it up in a nice little bow. Have a little one final take looking over at the NFL. Be back after this on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, 
The famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it again. My last take for this show this week is the fact that the NFL will go on and play all the way through. The NFL said it themselves. I think they have every chance to do so. Why? Because they're enough of madmen just say, hey, we're going to go ahead and play the season without fans. We're going to play it and do whatever it takes to get to that point. We're, they're going to get it done. I can guarantee you that. Beyond that, I don't know. Nothing's ever promised. But I think when we look at the history books, the NFL always, always gets what they want, and they're going to play through the season. How they do it, I don't know. But I think they get it done. I think they get through it, and they get to the Super Bowl, and they roll on as planned. College football, not so much. But a big reason why is because they've got one man running things, and that is Roger Goodell, and he's running a lot better ship, in my mind, now versus what he was running probably about 10 years ago versus probably what he was running maybe five years ago. I think it's the fact that Roger Goodell is wanting to have that relationship with the players that maybe a guy like Adam Silver, like we've seen with him, Adam Silver has set the gold standard of how a commissioner should be. Roger Goodell has turned an about phase, going from a robotic-type heel Mr. McMahon character to being, you know, the relatively like drunk uncle type cat where he's out there drinking hooch in his basement during the NFL draft, which is still one of my favorite moments in the history of the draft is, you know, uncle Roger just out there drinking the, drinking the hooch in between draft picks. But again, I think the NFL season goes off without a hitch. I think we see the NFL play its way through and they move along. And don't forget this Monday, we got something really cool going on. And that is, the Legends of the Fall bracket reveal. It's going to be on, once again, this coming Monday. Make sure you check it out. We'll unveil that bad boy on 103.7 The Game Acadian, a sports station. But also check it out on 103.7 thegamecom when this thing drops. And when it drops, you are going to love it. I can guarantee you that. And trust me, I'm looking forward to it as well. It's Acadiana's Legends of the Fall presented by Stan's Auto Center, corner of Johnson and Doucette. So make sure you get your votes in when that bracket is revealed. Honestly, I think Kevin Falk's number one. I think it's undisputed fact. But beyond that, I am 100% interested to see who gets in and who gets snubbed. We'll talk to you next week, the final show from 10 a.m. to noon. And then we move over from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., on August the 1st. So make sure you keep it locked right here on 1037 Game and 1037game.com. Astros Classic coming up in just about two minutes. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show 